So this week we're looking at what, when we cry out. A bit like Shane was talking about praying and hearing from God. and uh, Ryan sharing the same heart of God just sometimes thunders in with a little word to us. And it's like, oh, okay, better do that. Or I better stop doing that. Um, and so I want to put it in my words. Let's choose to pray. Let's, let's When things go pear-shaped, let's choose to pray. So at the moment, if you are doing the Bible reading plan, you have already conquered Genesis. Give yourself a pat on the back. 50 chapters of Genesis is gone. We're behind that. That's behind us now. We've already started to paddle our way through the book of Exodus. Um, I do love the first couple of books of the Bible. Uh, Leviticus is going to be an interesting change of gears, but that's okay. It's all part and parcel of what God's got to say to us, right? But I love the narrative dimensions of the Bible. It is a story. It's a story about lots of things that happen to, a, in the end, a group of people. But it's essentially revealing um, the heart of exactly what Ryan shared. What God is always up to is loving people. He's always in the business. He can't do anything else because God is love. Um, unlike some other outfits that want to claim that love is love, that's actually not true. God is love. Uh, God alone is love and he can do nothing other than love so so far in the story then the narrative of it finds us with Genesis finishing with Joseph in Egypt as the second most powerful person in the country as a Hebrew and all of his family have come down and joined him because of a famine and so a difficult season has led them to that place and um, I just want to pick the story up there so a difficult season in life might have more to do with a next season than the difficult season that you're experiencing. Let me say that again. A difficult season in life may have more to do with a next season than the difficult one that we're in. Sometimes we want to understand well, what this, what's this about, but what the difficulty is about is yet to be revealed. It's like there's, there's God's at work behind, alongside, and in front of you at any point in time. And so, in other words, the Bible challenges us to get a perspective that is long-term or even eternal in a problem. So if you're experiencing a problem or a difficulty this morning or a challenge or something, a season of life seems to be unendingly difficult or negative or whatever it's like we might go well coronavirus is delivering on all those fronts it's like is, is it ever going to end and i guess it will i'd like to think that everything has a season that will pass but you know that um for what it's worth to say publicly um there are parts of our community who love to keep writing the story of fear writing the story of even this morning is like the next variance may be more deadly it's like what is the point of putting that out there? You don't even know what it is. But it's, it's newsworthy. I don't know if anyone's as cynical as me in that, but it's like, I don't want to promote that. I want to promote what the Bible says. God's got a plan. God has got a plan for this. He's got a plan for our country. He's got a plan for our community to live through these sorts of challenges. I don't know about you, but I've... I'm looking at the news again and going, I'm not overly keen about the idea of Russia invading the Ukraine. Who knows what that'll do and what'll unravel from that, but I 
don't want to be the person who then bunkers down and go, oh, it's all over. What, what's going to happen? It's like, I want to be the person that pushes into the God who loves. I want to be the person who keeps putting hope in front of people. Look, it doesn't matter what happens in the Ukraine. Well, it does, but it doesn't matter in the sense of what God's up to. God is in the business of redeeming and rescuing and taking us who believe in Jesus' name to be with him one way or another. So that's why someone like Paul in 2 Corinthians 4, 17 can write this. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. He wrote most of his letters either in jail or being chased by people who hated his guts. He had lots of reasons to be going, oh, life's so hard. Nobody understands how difficult it is. If only you knew what it was like to be me and how hard my life is. Paul doesn't live like that because he's a man who's met Jesus. He's a man who knows that as much as it's tough, as much as it's, it's rough, as much as it's like people are after me to take my life, I can say this, and it's recorded for us to read, our light and momentary troubles. I'd like to be able to look at some of the things I've referenced a few moments ago and consider them light and momentary, not to make light of them, not to dismiss them, not to make somebody who's really going under with the weight of those things feel like a a loser, but to impart the fact that with God, with the presence of God in my life, the presence of God in your life, in the presence of God in our lives together, we can stand up under the weight of some of these incredibly difficult situations and not despair. Have still have a bizarre sense of hope. It's like the joy of the Lord is my strength. It's like it's the Lord's joy. I don't have to go looking for joy. I need to find God. And then I can be joy-filled no matter what. That sounds very, very harsh for a person who doesn't quite yet believe all that. And believing is the key. So what does that all say saying to me? I've had these couple, I've got three thoughts this morning. Our life, life surely is a series of steps, a series of seasons. Some from good seasons and moments into challenging times and despair. Um, There is help though. So Psalm 37, verse 23 to 24. Just put that graphic up of the stepping stones, please. Gav, if you found it. I was thinking about steps, the scripture that says the steps of a righteous person ordered by the Lord. I've heard all sorts of little anecdotes about what that could be preached to look like. Um, I found these unfortunately are semi-man-made. But they're all over the place as far as their level of where they are in the water and you don't know whether they're going to rock. You ever cross the stream and put your foot on a rock that's sort of just sitting there wanting its own business in the water, but as soon as you put your foot on it, it's like whoosh, and it's like it's either game over or you start saying a few words that you wish you didn't have in your head and uh, it, it can get colourful. One of the problems with human beings is we, we like to, and it's, it's a problem, it's a positive problem, we make things that are good. So if you go back to the Tower of Babel, one of the problems with the Tower of Babel was that they were building it with bricks. And bricks are man-made. God wanted buildings built out of stones which are God-made. And so part of the problem was they decided to such an extent we don't need God, we're going to make our own bricks and we're going to build this tower out of bricks. And there's a whole lot of other stuff behind that story that is another message for another day. But let me say this, if we didn't have stepping stones, you leave that up there for a while, we could actually make beautiful cement slabs 
put them down in the creek, exactly the same level, and we can walk over there sure-footed because we can engineer things to be perfect. But I think God wants us to understand that when we put our trust in the rock, that maybe the rock's not been hewed by human hands. Maybe it hasn't been made smooth. Jesus may not be as smooth as you think he is. He's a cool dude, but he's God's son, not my son. I don't have permission to shape him and make him all smooth and easy to walk on. What if Jesus is every one of those stones or the slippery ones? In the, it's like we've got to understand who we're standing on, yes, but not assume that he's always going to give us everything we want the way we want it because there's things to learn about life. However, the psalm says this, the Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in him. So the issue isn't making the rock firm. The issue is delighting in the Lord. Get the difference. It's like, that's something I can do rather than spend my time trying to set the rock in concrete. Let's just delight myself in the Lord. Though he may stumble, he will not fall. For the Lord upholds him with his hand. God's in the business of helping us walk. But I don't think he wants us to end up so closeted away in fear of failure that we never take the next step. Take the next step. Maybe this is a word for you this morning. Maybe you've hesitated because you can see the next step slippery. The next step's got a few, well, not easy to see um, imperfections in it. Don't wait for it to be perfect. Take the step. Take the step of faith, right? It's like, take the step of faith. And how does God get us to these places of having to take the step? Well, this, this is a little bit of a conundrum for us. I'll write this down. What God intended for good, which he says, Joseph's words in Genesis chapter 50, can come to a very abrupt end in the timeline of your life. What God intended for good in Egypt, in this story, came to a crashing end. He says it in verse chapter 50, verse 20 to 21. You intended, Joseph speaking, to harm me, but God intended it for good, to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid. I'll provide for you, provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. He had all the capacity at that point in the story to look after his family because of how powerful he'd become. But the next chapter, Exodus chapter 1, verse 8 through 10. Then, say then. Then. I think Stephen Marshall probably was thinking that when Omicron turned up last November, opened the borders, then Omicron came. Just as a practical example. Then a new king. See, today you and I could be sitting in a sense of comfort, in a sense of well-being that's got a then coming. And the then is the push to take the next step in the journey. Then a new king to whom Joseph meant nothing came to power in Egypt. Look, he said to his people, the Israelites have become so are far too numerous for us. Come, we must deal shrewdly with them or they'll become even more numerous. And if war breaks out, We'll join our enemies, fight against us and leave the country. So because of evil people, the Israelites found themselves in a place where they were blessed and provided for, suddenly enslaved 
and treated harshly. So many of us may not have experienced that, but we've surely walked through tough times. I want to talk to you then about that. What does your prayer life look like? I heard a great uh, and visual that was provided by Phil Pringle many years ago. This is not his graphic. Can you put that sign curve up? Um, how for ups and downs of life, so let's let the blue sine wave there be just a representation of your life oscillating between sort of life's just at zero, but then it goes through a season. Everything's just going right. New job, new amount of finance, new relationships. Things are just looking real rosy. Then something, then a then moment happens and the blue line starts to go down and it gets passed to the zero. And then you start going down into those seasons where everything's going pear-shaped, you lose your job, maybe you're going to lose your house, maybe you lost your business because of COVID restrictions. Maybe there's all sorts of things. The red line represents our prayer life when we're out of sync. So the better things get, the less we pray. We get to the point where everything's great and we're not praying at all. We're just going, life's awesome, yeah, just assuming I've got the favour and the blessing of God on me. So our prayer life goes to Zippo. Maybe our Bible reading goes to not much. I don't need to read the Bible too much. I know God, God's good with me, I'm good with him. We're sweet as life's a blessing because I'm a Pentecostal Christian. But then life starts to go pear-shaped because it always will at some point in comparison to what has been. And the red line, maybe I need to pray. Maybe I need to talk to God a bit more. Maybe I'll be a little bit more connected with God. And so these two things are completely out of sync. Um, God wants us to synchronize. I think there is a lag, but there's not meant to be a complete, that's a, um, it's got a technical term, a complete cancelling out waveform. Phase reversal, yeah. And that's, a, that's, a, that's what you call noise cancelling, right? Noise cancelling sine waves. Um, did I give you another one of those? Did we find another graphic? No. If you looked at a picture of a three-phase three power scenario, they're 120 degrees out of cycle with each other, uh, and it would be a much better graphic. So what one, my intention to show you would be is to move the left set of uh, curves, either left or right, but move them a lot closer so that the prayer differential is just lagging rather than being out of sync. I hope that just helps you. Don't, don't live there. Don't, don't live out of sync with your prayer life, out of sync with your real life. They need to be flowing together consistently all the time. So with that, I want to say this. There's nothing wrong, however, with crying out to God. When you're at the bottom there and nothing's going on and you go, help! That might be the start of a turnaround. But he desires for you and me to come to him all the time. Does my prayer life need to be shifted to being closer in sync and or less volatile? That's the second point there, kind of. And then the last one this morning is this. When God appears to be doing nothing, he's probably working out of your sight. Let me say it again. When God appears to be nothing, he's actually probably doing a lot just out of sight. He's always working on redeeming you and me. Exodus 2, the next chapter, during that long period, this is a long period of oppression, the king of Egypt died. The Israelites groaned in their slavery and he cried out and cried out. And their cry for help because of their slavery went up to God. God heard their groaning and he remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. 
So God looked on the Israelites and was concerned about them. Um, knowing the rest of the story, his solution's a little slow, if you ask me. It's a little long, if you ask me. It tells you elsewhere in that uh, part of the Exodus that the Israelites were in Egypt for 430 years. That's a long time. That's a lot of generations of people who were actually foreigners in a strange land. We live in a season where we want everything fixed now. We want a microwave the, the day. We want to heat up the cup of coffee in one minute in the microwave. We, we want to zap it so that it's done like that. And that's not how God rolls. God rolls according to the way God rolls. Yeah. And sometimes he's got, he's got a in-ground stone oven to make before you can cook your coffee. Like, it's just going to take a long time. And so this story shows that God's deliverance is slow. And it is. The, uh, trying to get your head around the ten plagues is like, why didn't you just fry Pharaoh and get him out of there? It sounds like he could have. He smashed the place of smithereens with hailstones and invaded the place with um, grasshoppers. And it's like there's all these demonstrations of God's um, capacity to shift things. Um, but I think the fact that that story's got all those dimensions in it is meant to help us to understand God's ways are not our ways. God's thoughts are not our thoughts. He's always up to something that's to do with His will and purpose. And our road to peace is to find ourselves on His road, not on ours. So God is concerned about you and me. Let's stay connected with Him through prayer in every season of life. Let me pray. And I'm going to ask you to stand in a moment. So just remain seated for a sec. Father, pray that we would be comfortable to cry out to you when we find ourselves in a tough place. All of us have had moments in time where it's like just very confusing at the very least, very painful. And I pray, Lord, today, if someone's sitting in the auditorium or listening online today who's in that place right now they'd be motivated just a, a prompt a prod in the side to cry out to you Lord help me Lord help me turn to you Lord help me to see what it is I'm supposed to see Lord let, it, let me see and hear and or do what I need to do in order to take the next step pray, Lord, for anybody who would consider themselves stuck in the moment. We looked at that recently. Lord, would actually understand, I can get out of that moment. And it's time to move on. Help us, Lord, to, as much as it's up to us, get our prayer life and our life's choices in sync with you and your purpose. Pray, Lord, that we see the stepping stones in front of us as being ordered by you and that it's safe to take the step, even if it seems a little uncertain or rocky in the sense of it's not, not going to be a firm step necessarily in feeling but it is a firm step in purpose it's a firm step of delivering us to the next part of our life in you so give us long term eternal perspective in every chapter of our lives this morning in Jesus name Amen why don't we stand for a moment I just want to ask a question about people's connection with Jesus. If you've never invited Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Saviour, today you can. Today can be a day where you can decide, 
I'm going to believe that in my heart and I'm prepared to confess it with my mouth. And the book of Romans describes very clearly that when we believe and confess, it uses very biblical language to say we're saved. What does that actually mean? It means we actually are connected with the God of heaven and earth. And we actually then do have an eternal destiny, which at the moment we don't know Jesus, we don't have one. When we do know Jesus, we will have one. If you've never invited Christ into your life, I'd love to invite you. Listening online, we've got a prayer on our website that you can pray. Find that, click on it, give your life to Christ. There's a link underneath that prayer on the website that encourages you to email us and say, I've made that choice, I've prayed the prayer this morning and we'll connect with you and try and help you on your journey of discovering how good God is. But if you're in the building here this morning and you've never given your life to Him, I'd love you to consider doing that. And I'd further like to encourage you to slip your hand up and say, hey, that's me, Pastor Bruce. I want to give my life to Jesus. And we can pray a prayer together right here, right now right where you stand. I'm not going to ask you to come out the front, make you uncomfortable. I'd love to talk to you afterwards, but I'd love to help you pray a prayer. There's a prayer of salvation to invite Christ into your life. If you've never prayed that sort of prayer, give me a way that I can see and we can pray that together right here, right now. Thank you, Lord. Awesome. How good is God? Right? God is good? Looking forward to a great week? Got a lot of things happening? Yeah, well, let's sing our way into it right now. Close, don't forget.